0: Just when you think you have it all down, all figured out, you're ready for the next big thing, something happens and shifts not only the horizon, but the very ground you stand on. It's the part of life that no one likes to talk about. Loss. Robin Lane's world shifted with the loss of her husband, Mark, suddenly goals, benchmarks, achievements, and dreams morphed into the new reality of just me and not we. Robin has constructed a new paradigm of living that includes a path to happiness. Come along for the ride. Learn how to live next to grief without allowing it to rain over you. Get ready for Changing Lanes. Here's Robin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Changing Lanes. I'm Robin Lane, and I'm so happy to be with you today. So today I feel like I'm speaking to a close friend over a cup of coffee at our favorite diner with the need to come clean. Okay, I got your attention, but it's true. I've spent a good part of my life struggling with this weird feeling, and I can't tell you how relieved I was when I discovered that it's a real thing. It's been studied, analyzed, and written about, but I spent too much time thinking I was the only one in the world that felt this way. This thing, my friends, has a name and it is called imposter syndrome. So this is what it feels like. Maybe you can identify. You finally achieve something you've been working for. It's one of the happiest times you can remember. It could be the day you got that major job, or it can be the day you received an award. You bask in the sun for a brief time until this feeling that you are unworthy or undeserving hits you. And then you start to tremble, and the anxiety of how you will never be able to do the job well enough or be good enough to deserve it takes over. You walk around feeling like a fraud or imposter, pretending to be something you believe in your heart that you're not. I get the shivers thinking about it, and yet I can cite so many examples of when I felt this way. One of the first times was when I got my first teaching job. I wanted my own classroom so, so badly. When I was actually hired, I floated, and then I hit bottom. I was sure I'd finally been exposed and the entire world of education would see I was a fake with no business being in front of 25 students, planning what they would do, learn, and experience every day of their lives for 10 months straight. It actually took years before I gained the confidence to feel that I had the right to be there. Maybe that's what kept me at the top of my game, that quest to be worthy, but who knows. And then I was offered the job as elementary principal. Not only the job, but the job at one of Westchester's most prestigious school districts where success is everything. Again, exhilaration, and then a crippling fear. Why on earth would such a place pick me? I can't do this. It was then that I learned about this imposter syndrome. Our superintendent greeted each group of new teachers and administrators at the start of the school year with a talk about exactly that. He shared this story about Harvard professors. Upon receiving tenure, facing the overwhelming conviction that they would never be able to publish as much teach as well or contribute enough to Harvard as would now be expected of them. He spoke about the years that needed to pass to feel worthy of the job they'd been given. He told us it was okay if we were feeling this way and assured us that they were there to make sure we succeeded. I never forgot it. Even after a successful 25 plus years in education, I faced the feeling again when my book was first published. My writing coach and editor had to convince me that mine was a story worth sharing and others would appreciate and benefit from it. All I could say was, well, but who am I to tell anyone anything? It is scary to be so vulnerable, and I didn't breathe until my first reviews told me that I did reach others. It did help. And guess what? The book actually sold. Well, continue that to right now. When I was first approached about doing a podcast, my initial thought was, are you kidding me? Who wants to listen to me? So much so that I called Mary Lou of Web Talk Radio to share how I was frozen at the mic, unable to utter a word. She talked me off the cliff, as did my friend and editor, Rebecca, who told me specifically how my career and experiences just might make me worthy of sharing my thoughts and ideas. Me who was so used to speaking in front of people over the years, feeling this way. Imposter syndrome. It is quite a nasty little bug to have. So when I decided to come clean and share this feeling, I went to the research. I couldn't believe how much had been written about this thing. So apparently the term imposter syndrome was coined by psychologists, doctors Pauline R. Clance and Suzanne A. Inus in 1978. Their research led them to interview 150 high-achieving women. For all the participants, even though they were recognized for professional excellence and had consistent external validation for their success, none had internally acknowledged their accomplishments. They consistently claimed their success was a result of luck and others overstating their abilities. Early studies indicated that this phenomenon was more prevalent in women, but recent work supports the fact that men are equally prone to these feelings. I think maybe men are just more willing to come clean right now. Interestingly, this syndrome is widely experienced, and it can lead to depression, anxiety, and general stress, but it's not recognized in the DSM. As recently as this week, an article was written in Biz Journals by Catherine M. Keflisch, stating that as part of its annual survey focusing on elements of women's leadership experiences, KPMG reached more than 700 high-level female executives who were recommended by their CEOs. Seventy-five percent of these respondents responded that they had experienced imposter syndrome at some point in their careers And 85 of these believed it's a common experience of women in corporate America. And yes, it is increasingly being acknowledged by men. It is even purported that Albert Einstein stated, quote, The exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntarily swindler, unquote. The article in Biz Journals also states that individuals, Cheryl Sandberg, Tina Fey, Serena Williams, and Sonia Santamaya, have claimed to have experienced this imposter syndrome. I even found a test to determine to what degree I suffered from this malady. It's called the Clance Imposter Phenomenon Test, and you can take it online at C-L-A-N-C-E Imposter Phenomenon Test. I answered questions, submitted it, and voila! My results came back with a score of 80 significant imposterism. Well, at least I wasn't in the 81 to 100 range of intense imposterism, although I think the score could be flexible based on the day I take it. Of course I take this all with a grain of salt, but it does validate a feeling I know I have experienced. So what to do? What to do? Apparently, there are 5 subgroups of imposter syndrome. Dr. Valerie Young, in her book The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women: Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It, she discusses the perfectionist, the superwoman or man, the national genius, the soloist, and the expert as types of individuals susceptible to imposter syndrome. Across the categories, there are questions to ask yourself. Have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have difficulty delegating? When you miss the mark, do you accuse yourself of not being cut out for the job? Do you stay at the office later than your team? Do you let your hobbies fall by the wayside? Do you feel you haven't yet earned your title? Do you dismiss the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own? Do you have a track record of gold stars in all you do? Do you shudder when someone says you are an expert? Well, for me, I answer yes to many, but not all of these questions. But having survived so many instances of living with imposter syndrome, I come out on the side that it is at times very uncomfortable, but not all bad. I don't think it's the kind of thing you can get rid of. I've talked myself through it over and over again, but it always comes back. I think the key is to not letting it make decisions for you, to not let it back you out of things that can lead to your further growth and enjoyment. After all, it's the risks you took that got you to where you are, no matter what field you're in or what level you're on. You did something good to get there. You probably also sacrificed along the way. For me, it was late night classes, studying, relentless days of work, raising kids as I went along. Even so, with all that and with the whole career behind me, I sit down at my computer each week, plug in my Yeti microphone, and wonder if anyone out there really thinks if what I have to say is worthwhile. I hope you do. But as always, I welcome your feedback, suggestions, and stories. I would love to know more about the imposter in you. Please email me at dimesonthesidewalk at gmail.com or visit robinslane.com or on Facebook at robinslane-author. Until next week, stay well. Bye.